Welcome to Detox with Allison. Oh shit, we're recording. You are the best podcast naming person. (laughs) This is the show where we sit down with comedians and other funny people, make them take their vitamins and ask them about their life or whatever else we get into. Let's hope Charlie got it right this time. Detox is produced and sponsored by Big Laugh Comedy. Big Laugh Comedy is changing the world one comedy experience at a time. Big Laugh Comedy is the first ever company that provides you with a complete comedy experience, from live shows throughout Texas in Austin, San Antonio, San Marcos, and Fort Worth, to comedy news and everything in between. If you're looking to laugh your ass off with some of the best comedians in the world, or you want to know what your favorite comedian is up to, you need to visit Big Laugh Comedy at blcomedy.com. Get exclusive content and first dibs on tickets by becoming a VIP for free. Go to blcomedy.com slash VIP dash list. Detox with Allison is also sponsored by MSW Vitamin Lounge and MSW Nutrition. MSW Vitamin Lounge is located in Austin and it's the best place to get your vitamin IVs, shots, and health consults. It's also where we record the episodes, so that's pretty cool. If you can't make it to Austin, MSW Nutrition puts the best nutrients possible into their supplements to bring a little bit of the lounge to wherever you are. The boost drinks we're always sipping on on this show are just one of their awesome and effective products. Trust me, I use a ton of them. Go to mswnutrition.com and use the code DETOX, that's D-E-T-A-L-K-S, to save 15% on all your supplementation needs from MSW Nutrition. And if you're in Austin, I hope to see you at the Vitamin Lounge. Hey guys, welcome to Detox with Allison. We got Sam Lopez in the house. I'm so stoked to be here. Dude, I love, since we started like rolling the intro in our headsets before we start recording, like every guest has their different dance that they do. (laughs) So it was like, yeah. I love it. (laughs) We got you all humped out today. Yo. I've not noticed. I've watched a few of these clips. I've never noticed people all hooked up like this. Yeah. Well, certain a couple guests have not wanted to do it. Okay. Um, but a lot of people have, and it's been pretty fun. Like, it's a new experience for a lot of people. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've been thinking about it like ever since you told me what it was. I was like, I also like the first couple of guests I realized I like didn't give any warning like I gave you a warning last you night did. being like by the way you can get this but like a lot of the first few guests had no idea so they thought I was full of it when I offered it to them <laughs> so I was like I need to start warning people ahead of time that this is real you let them kind of like ease into the idea yeah yeah you gotta like mull over it at least for a night you know I could feel it. You're so right. <laughs> I'm laughing as I can tell you feel it. Like the way you're just chilling out over there. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Do this. I feel vitamized. There you go. Yep. Yeah. You didn't even know that was a word that we use. Like, no, I didn't. And then you you said that it was. I was like, well, that's the obvious word. Yeah, it is. Clearly. It works. Like, What else would you say? I try to type it out on the computer a lot. And like, it'll try to change it to vitalized. And I'm like, no, it's Vitamized. <laughs> Vitalized is cool too, but yeah, vitamized is clearly what we're doing right now. Yeah, getting vitamized. Yeah, it's kind of like we do a lot of play on words with the marketing here at Mm -hmm. MSW is like um, get vitamized is one, but like we have our vitamin D supplement is called the D. (laughs) Like take the D, D, you know? (laughs) That's funny. we have like a mood boosting one that's called bliss. And so I always say like, drop your bliss. Like you're Ooh. dropping Molly. <laughs> just play on that shit a little bit, you know. Yeah, Gotta make it fun. very like the EDM version of health. Basically. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to I need to use that for something. Damn. It's what it feels like. I yeah. feel like we could just like the bass is about to drop. You know? Yeah. Well, they're always playing house music in there too. Oh, then, yeah. So. Were they playing it earlier? And I just probably subconsciously. <laughs> you were like, I think this is just playing in my head because yeah. it fits here. <laughs> well, I'm very glad to have you on the show. Um, yeah, I, I just, we've talked a few times at Vulcan and just Mm -hmm. like hung around in similar places and probably, I think we've done a couple shows together, but we have, yeah, I think we've done secret show together at least once, but, um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate like people tell me this a lot, but I get the similar vibe for you is like, you're always just positive and like, I really appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we like each other. When you hit me up, I was like, I like Allison. She's so sweet and fun. Yay! (laughs) Very good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. But I get like a very similar sense from you. And like when we were driving over here, we were talking a little bit about like school and college and all those different things. So like... To slow this down. Yeah. (laughs) If guests ever have to slow down their IV in the middle of the show, it's because we're literally feeling high on vitamins. (laughs) Like You can't describe it until you felt it. You just get like a rush. You also Um, were saying all these nice things about me and I was like, oh... (laughs) I was having an overwhelming... Too much like, dopamine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can take all this positive. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask, because we talked about... Like, you live... I was half joking. I was like, I got triggered. You live right behind where I lived in college. Um, I do. She was right in the middle of all the Greek houses and, it's like, so all dope. this stuff. It's great. Like, I love it. It's amazing. And I am jealous that you get to use the UT, like, gym, because I miss being a student there specifically just for the gym. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like, we were talking about your experience in college and how you went to school. Like, you wanted to do theater, and your parents kind of dissuaded you. So, like, I want to know more about that. Like, were you doing theater for a long time, and, and then you wanted to go to school for it? Like, walk me through kind of that up- whole in like a musical sort of mm. background. Like my mom wanted all of us to learn how to play the piano. She bought a piano because it was her dream to pay, play the piano. Yep. <laughs> um, so therefore we all have to live it. Yep. And I was terrible. I, I was really bad, but I like to sing. Yeah. So I can still play, but only like to find, find voice parts. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I started singing, doing like different levels of choirs and stuff and got into musical theater. That was like what I was really about. But I really like acting. Yeah. So it was fun. I did a couple straight plays in high school and then I was like, I'm going to be an actress. Yeah. Also, you totally just like reminded me like – the word straight play is like mm-hmm. only something that I've heard other actors say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like we don't mean like sexuality wise, we just mean there's no music in it. <laughs> like no it's music. not a musical. It's just a boring play. <laughs> it's just no musical outbreaks in the show. Um, which a lot of people I didn't know this, but like as cause I studied theater in college too, mm-hmm. and like what I didn't realize is how many people thought that theater is only musicals. Not like it's so weird. Not like in the theater world, obviously, but like I'd tell someone that I was studying theater and they'd be like, Oh, what's your favorite Broadway show? Mine's Wicked. And I'm like, Okay, you realize that like the musicals are only half of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever want to be on Broadway? A hundred percent. Me too. Dude, do you get like super hype when you go to a Broadway show? I don't it doesn't even have to be on Broadway. It can be an off Broadway show, and I'm like, oh my God, this is my dream. Yes. I literally like I'm getting chills right now. Like I will go to any sort of like nice looking production. Like you said, it could Mm -hmm. be off Broadway, whatever. 
and especially musicals. And as soon as that first song hits, I'm like, that's me up there. I could do that. You know what it is about Broadway or just the musical genre is is that it's so big and the pageantry and it's yeah. about more than just the singers and the dancing and the acting. It's right. about like the background design. Yeah. <laughs> I finally like sucked it up and rented Disney Plus for a month Ooh. so I could watch Hamilton with my boyfriend because that's like I was I don't know if you ever did this, but like when a new musical would come out, I would learn the whole soundtrack just by listening to it over and over again. And that's so a by theater the, kid thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like anytime like you go to the freaking like to the actual play for the first time, you're singing along even though you never saw the play. <laughs> it's like you already know everything about it. Yeah. And you're like, I kinda know what it's about because right. the songs move the plot. Forward. Yeah. <laughs> and Hamilton is so bad because the whole soundtrack is the play. It's so much. It's more like, it's like uh, Les Mis is like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The music basically never stops. Mm -hmm. And so like the soundtrack is the play. And so I was watching it with my boyfriend and like in between me singing along with all the musical numbers, I was also like, wow, look at that background transition. I can't believe that costume change. And I just could see he was losing his mind. That's the best part. Derek likes that stuff too. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we went to see Frozen right before the shutdown. It came to LA. Oh my gosh. And uh, it's, it was, I didn't think, I was like, oh, this is kind of a corny musical. Right. We went, it was amazing. Oh. It was so amazing. We, the, the, uh, the, uh, the background stuff was the best. Oh. They had this one point where, you know, like in the movie, I, you've seen the musical? Yeah. I haven't seen the musical. I've seen the movie. So yeah, if you've seen the movie, it's kind of, the musical is kind of both movies. Right. The first and the second one. Okay. Sort of. Uh, but there's a point, you know, where she turns everything to ice. Right. And they had all the dancers like kind of joined together and then they lit them with a blue light and they looked like ice. What? And I was like, yo, dude, who comes up with this stuff? I just <laughs> got more chills on my legs. My legs are so bumpy. Like that's the other thing. I'm just like, am I made of cheese? Because every time I get excited about this shit, I'm just like, why is this making me so happy? <laughs> Because it's just pure performance. It's like performance at the highest level. It's all the different things. Yeah. You're right. It's like you get to admire the best of all of it. The tech, the costume, the choreography, the music. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. And it just feels so celebratory. Like even if it's a sad musical like Les Mis, mm -hmm. it's like showing you that, that emotion through just all of the different ways you can show emotion. It's like all the arts combined almost. Oh, yeah, it's just on steroids. Right. Or something, yeah. <laughs> so well, how did that, like, transition happen for you? Like, you know, you wanted to, like, you went to college and studied not theater. I studied English literature. Right. I was a pussy. Were you, were you <laughs> acting at all during college or, like, doing anything creative like that? Uh, you know what? I did tech my freshman year of college because mm -hmm. it was a little less time-consuming. Yeah, tech theater. I, yeah, tech theater. Yeah. And I did, uh, which I'd never done before. Yeah. And I hated it. I was, okay, I was going to ask. <laughs> Yo, it's so, if you're like into theater for the excitement and the getting into character, tech is like, God, shit. It's me. like, oh my God. It's all of like the kids that are the opposite of They're the They're the exact kids. opposite. But they all get together really well because, you know, opposites attract. Yeah. Like great well, parties. We both know that like the tech kids know that we couldn't do the show without them. Yeah. And we know that they like to do it. Like they still are artistic and that's why they're doing 
tech theater and not like other stuff, right? So it's like we both need each other for the thing to happen. We just have two totally different brains. <laughs> totally. I liked it. I did it for a year or like uh, maybe just one. Did you have to do play. like lighting and sound and all that it stuff? Was it was lighting. So we had to set up everything, which yep. is like a it's don't realize so how much work they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just think it's like, oh, it's a couple of days of hanging lights. But it's like, no, no it's so specific. And then you got to get the colors. And then someone has to actually light the show. I didn't have to do that. Yeah, like hit God. the switchboard and yeah, yeah, like all that stuff. Yeah, I had to do that for a semester. Like our lab credits for a theater degree weren't like being in a lab looking at, you know, specimens. It was tech theater. (laughs) It was basically the universities knowing that they didn't have enough tech theater students. Mm. So they would force the acting and other students to like have to take theater labs so that they could run their plays. (laughs) A bad idea. It's not like it, you know, it taught you because I mean, you appreciate I it more. I appreciate it more for sure. I know how to like communicate with those people like because they kind of have their own language. Like if you talk to a theater actor, you know, you'll say, oh, where's your blocking? Hit your mark. Where's the gaff tape and all these different things. And it's like, what are those words? And if you talk to a tech person, they have their own language, too, on like if something's falling, they have a specific thing they say like yeah. this. Like It was like I think it was heads down, actually. Yeah. Because they, if you, they were like, if you say heads up. Everyone looks up. Right. So you say heads down, it gets everyone to duck if there's a light falling or some Mm -hmm. shit. And so, like, I appreciated that you learned that because then you do know how to work better together. They also all carry knives. Oh, my God. Every tech person I've ever met has, like, a utility knife or just a box cutter, which is almost like, why? Scarier. Who has a box cutter just on them at all times? I totally forgot that fact. Typically, yeah, you're right though. They're like they're the one place where cargo shorts and cargo pants are still like celebrated too because yeah. of all the pockets. The pockets. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, they look cute. I don't think I think these are just for show. I don't know if they actually open. Dude, <laughs> I was like, if that is some female pocket bullshit where they made a fake huge pocket, I would be so mad. Could be. I think it is. No, I think okay. I have to. Un- I have to. I was like, un- un- I have to cut some stuff to yeah. make it work. Oh my god, I'm just like, why would you use all that extra? <laughs> Why would you need that? I know. It's like, this is why they they made purses, just because pants makers didn't want to give us pockets. They didn't want to give us pockets. <laughs> Damn. Um, but so you did tech for a semester. You kind of. Like vagina monologues a couple of years. Okay. Why is that such a popular play in college? I've seen, I've, it's literally a play called The Vagina Monologues, and it's like all these different women telling their stories, right? Yeah, I, I feel like most people know about The Vagina. It's pretty big. Yeah, but I just felt like everyone in college wanted to, like, use it. I think in college, it's when a lot of people first, you know, dabble in feminism. That's fair. It's the first uh, place that's let them say the word vagina on stage, oh, yeah. too. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, you, the idea of feminism is just, like, this faraway idea in high school. It's like, maybe— Because also, you're not just—you're not thinking about that. You're like, who am I going to fuck? Right. You know? <laughs> I don't care what you think of me as a person. Do you think I'm hot? Or do you like, think I'm hot? That's true. <laughs> and then you get older, and you're like, oh, my God, I might not be hot forever. <laughs> We got to get people like, I got to work on my brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, shit, people need to respect me for my personality. That's a lot of work. (laughs) I spent so much time on my face and my body. Dude, I finally learned how to pluck my eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) And and now I got to floss my personality. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. No, I did that. 
I I liked English literature. I switched to it because I wanted to write. Yeah. I'd always wanted to be like a writer. That was my mm. other. I have several different dreams that yeah. I was thinking I would do. Yeah. I was like, I'm either going to be a ballerina, and then that was out quick. <laughs> I was By the time I was 10. As soon as point shoes came in, you're just like, no. <laughs> and I was going to be on Broadway. And then I was like, oh, I have to learn to dance again. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing is the, the Dancing thorn was the line. Foot, yeah. I was like, I can't dance. It looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, I'd always wanted to write, so I was, I was like, I'll do English literature, and, and so, I've never used my degree. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I guess you could, like, argue that writing jokes, like, uses some of the things you learned. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Like, where did that transition for you happen? Like, you graduate college, and then, like, suddenly you're like, I'm going to do stand-up now? No. I'm... I've lived a long, old life. <laughs> You're not that much older than me. You don't even know. <laughs> no, so I, I graduated. I worked in non-for-profits for a year. Um, you think it's going to be rewarding. Right. It's more work than that. It's like, this is not as rewarding as much work it requires. Gosh. So I quit. Uh, I went to Australia, and I was a nanny. Whoa. Yeah. You were like the foreign nanny. I was an au pair. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> it was actually really dope. If anyone's thinking about doing it, do it. Yeah. Uh, I did that for a year and then I was like, oh, I ran out of money. <laughs> I didn't have the money to fly home to America. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to call my parents. So I flew. I had enough money to fly to New Zealand. I could get a new visa there. Yeah. And I nannied there and that's where I started doing stand-up. Wow. Because I was living with, like, a family in New Zealand that was just, like, particularly unhappy. Like, the parent, though, they were just, they weren't as nice to me as the previous families I'd right. had in Australia. And then on top of that, they hated each other. And oh, you live with them. Right. So I was like, I have to get out of the house. Yeah. I just started hanging out at, like, comedy shows. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense if you're with uh, people who are typically angry all the time. You're like, where can I go to laugh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do, like originally I'd gone on a date, like a Tinder date with a guy to just watch them stand up. Right. And I uh, I was like, this is really fun. Right. Why don't I watch more stand up? That's how I wasn't like, I'm going to do stand up. I was right. like, why don't I watch more stand up? Yeah. Because I watch it on TV all the time. I've never been to like a live show really. And then uh, I, I started hanging out at this open mic because it was free. Right. <laughs> and I was like, God, a lot of these people are really bad. <laughs> Which I think is generally everyone's first impression is like, oh, I could do this better than them. Right. Yeah. That's the snake that bites us all. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try it. And then I like, I gave myself like three times before I was like, if you don't, you can't keep coming back to this club if you're not going to try it. Right. That's what I said. You can come three more times and then you have to try it. And so I tried it. And I, like, blacked out on stage. Oh, my god! I didn't see the light. They had to play the music to get me off stage. Like, <laughs> Also, it was a really long mic. They were giving out, like, eight-minute spots. Whoa. It's a lot of time to yeah. do for your first spot That's ever. That's double what most mics give you. Most mics are three to five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Did that. you, like, try writing jokes when you did that? Or did you just be like, I'm going to go tell a funny story? I had a notebook. And I just wrote a bunch of stuff in it, like, oh, I think this is funny, or like ideas. just ideas of things. And I guess like they were stories, but they're you know like when you're not. It's funny when you're as a stand-up, you realize that outside of stand-up, people are doing the same thing. Like 
you tell the same story to multiple different people because you're hope because maybe it hits the first time and you're right. like, I'm gonna tell this funny story again to another group of people because it worked with so and so. Right. Or I'm gonna make it better. Yeah. So you're kind of already doing that. Yeah. And then you go on stage and you're like, okay, now I gotta really I'm like doing this for work almost. Right. So I'd written down like a bunch of things like that. I were like anecdotes that I would tell to my friends. Right. And I'm sure I bombed. I can't remember. It right. was so bad. I would never listen to that recording. I think I have listened to it and I was upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was cool. And they, I couldn't get up a lot in New Zealand. I did it there for like five months and I could get up maybe like two or three times a month. Mm. That's not a lot of time. No. So I was like, I'm going to go back to America. And then I um, lived in San Diego for a year and then moved to L.A. Okay, cool. And then you said once you moved to L.A., you kind of were hanging around the store a lot. and like Yeah. Pre-COVID, uh, just started working uh, at the store. Mm-hmm. We, um, so I did a year in San Diego. That's where I met Derek. Okay. And then he had been doing stand-up for like five years already at that right. point. And it was still my like first year. Right. And I got a lot of development time in San Diego but I wish I'd had stayed a little longer because yeah. when we got to LA he went to LA for the store first yeah because he they asked him to get to come work there right and he's like you want to move to LA with me I was like cool yeah and we moved in it. together really fast anyway right <laughs> uh and then uh yeah in LA it's hard to get up you know right. you kind of you're running around to different parts of the city all the time trying to get on mics yeah uh, and I was basically just doing mics and hanging out at the store for like three years. And then they finally let me like work there too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's always so interesting to me, like, cause when I first went to LA, mm-hmm. I think it was 2018, maybe end of 2018. Um, just to visit, I had a good friend that lived out there, uh, Destiny Lane. So she, she did comedy as well. Um, and she would let me stay with her and we'd just go hit mics and like, I would basically scope out the LA scene. Cause mm-hmm. like having started in Austin, I wanted to see what one of the bigger cities was like with comedy. And it was always so interesting to me to go to the store because like, first of all, I loved it there. You know, there's so much just lore about it and like, you can feel it when you go in there. Like there's memories in that building. There's an energy in yeah. that building for sure. Yeah. And it's like, and you walk in that building and whether you believe in ghosts or not, you're like, I, be- I understand why someone would say this place is haunted. And it's not in a bad way. It's just like, you feel it because there's been so many people in there. And um, it's also all the black. All the black doesn't the help. The black walls with the, <laughs> the red neon. Yeah. There is this sort of mystical amount. Like I yeah. said, the first time I went, I said, it feels like I'm at the crux of the universe. Yeah. It feels like time is different in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool place. And I always just found it so funny that like the system that they created to kind of like up-and-coming comedians that wanted to possibly be paid regulars. You don't have to work there to be a paid regular. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you move to L.A. to pursue comedy, the thing to do is, like, apply to work at the comedy store because you could do phones, you could be a server, you could be a door guy. Usually people wanting to be comedians or door guys or phone people. Yeah. Um, but most of the servers there are pursuing acting. Oh, okay. So that's kind of why. Yeah, because I heard, I didn't know this until recently, but, like, they kind of, at least Mitzi, like, didn't want servers to be comedians yeah (laughs) and everyone has their own weird store story yeah like how they were 
kind of taken seriously for the first time. Because mm-hmm. I worked in the booth, which isn't technically a door guy. Yeah. So it took me a long time to kind of get respected by the door guys because they kind of control the Who's time in? that people get. Yeah. Yeah. But I was lucky. I'd been hanging out a lot, and they all knew me because of Derek. So the door guys are kind of the ones because— I've done. I've only done potluck there a few times. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically my extent of performing at the store. The rest of it was being a store fly, like <laughs> going into shows and watching stuff. But like, so if you're a door guy, those are the ones that are typically pulled to host the potluck or to open up before the main lineup shows. Yes. But okay, so if you're working like booth or something else, you don't necessarily get to do that. No, that's not automatically. That's so weird. the The door guy position was. Not only did you have to be offered, because none of these, most of these positions, they're not advertising. Right. As, you know, that like apply for it. Yeah. So most of them, people were either tapped by other door guys or tapped by Adam Egit yeah. at the time. And they would have to perform in front of him. Okay. And that would either be, I think, just, they would be on potluck and they'd have to prove themselves a couple times and he'd have to decide, like, yeah, we want to develop you. And then he'd offer them the door guy job. The door guy. Oh, wow. But not so all of the positions like, were like that. So it's basically an audition for door guy, too. Yeah. I didn't even realize that part. That's crazy. Um, you said, like, everyone kind of has their store story of, like, when they first felt, like, accepted. Do you mm-hmm. have, like, one of one that stands out for you or was it— Kind of gradual because you were just hanging out there so much. Mine was really gradual. I kind of, they say that the building, if it likes you, you're fine. Yeah. And it can reject you also. Well, that's the other thing, right? It's like whether you believe in like the energy that you can feel or the supposed ghost, all the comedians agree that the building chooses you. Oh, for sure. Which is so fascinating to me because having been in it, I felt like... I felt the energy of, like, shit, I need to prove myself to the building. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, also, if you've ever been, if you've, you've done potluck. Yeah. So you're up there, and they, potluck, they have the light. They still have the neon lights on that they turn off for the regular shows. Right. But for potluck, they leave them on, and they have, like, you know, Robin Williams. All the names. Jim Carrey. Yeah, like, huge. We're talking, you know, these are not the best just of the best. The best of the best. And they all came through the store. They all came through. And yeah. so you're kind of up there and you're like, wow, I have something to pre- – because legends have performed on this yeah. stage and still are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is It is interesting because a lot of the neon names, like Jim Carrey's still alive, but a lot of them are like people who passed. So mm-hmm. you got like Kinnison and yep. you got Robin Williams and you got like all these different names of mostly like people who paved the way mm-hmm. to create stand-up as it is today. And so it's like – if nothing else, seeing all of those names and being like, oh, my God, like, they're, these are the people I would love to be like. <laughs> it's just like a mental pressure that you might be giving yourself. Yeah, or they were here. Or they were here. I mean, yeah, that was my first thing was like just feeling so like, what the fuck am I getting to do here? I'm performing on the same stage as all of these greats, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it, – whether it's your own self giving you that pressure or something else, you feel it. And it's a very magical and sometimes terrifying place. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, I know I my story, I wasn't very like, I felt like I was automatically accepted or denied. I think the most interesting uh, person, well, there's lots of cool journeys at the store. Um, normally for the women, because you kind of have more to prove there. It's a yeah. boys club, which is crazy because it, was founded by a woman. Yeah, but a lot of people talk about that, how she really didn't like to pass women and, like... She was harder on the women. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but the, the 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 some of the best store stories are from the women, like Eleanor Kerrigan. She had to. She worked for Mitzi. She was the waitress. But even beyond that, she was just like Mitzi's assistant for a long oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And an actress, and like working that way, and then didn't come into stand up until much later. Right. And then immediately, kind of was on the road um, with Dice Clay. Yeah. So she has a really interesting trajectory on hers, and then also, uh, um, uh. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> She's vitamized. I have too much vitamins. <laughs> oh, Puggy Johnson. Puggy. Oh, my God. Her story is really interesting because she started out waiting tables and bartending. And right. she had to prove herself to the door guys that she should be in this friends and family kind of the, the portion that's of getting the pushed luck. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the potluck is sorted as basically like 16 to 20 people are pulled from the hat, which still is, I don't know how random that actually is. And then um, the the friends and family portion afterwards, which is another 20 people. And it's like the yeah. door guys, people who work at the store are just like, you know people that one's selected. You yeah. know that one's hand selected by the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Punky's is so interesting. Like, I remember hearing when she got SNL because... Like yeah. you said, she started as a, like a bar back. I don't even know if she was a bartender, right? She was like a bar back. She might have been a waitress up top. Waitress. She'd been there for a long time when I got there. Yeah. And she's funny as fuck. Like I didn't so know funny. I didn't know that she worked at the store initially. The way I found out about her was one of the times I went to L.A. in 2019. I did a show and it was one of those just like L.A. shows where like who knows who's going to show up. Like it was an okay mm-hmm. crowd, but it was just in a random place and like nothing, any not anything to brag about. But mm-hmm. it's like, hey, it's stage time. And she was one of either the feature or the headliner. And so like I was one of the openers because I'm little and like just learning my stuff. And I like did it. And then I just remember watching her and thinking like how are you not already famous? Because she was so comfortable and confident and hilarious. And then like, you know, this past year, SNL announces her as one of the rookies Mm -hmm. and she like just landed the lead in some other HBO series and she's just like, go, go, go. And it's so cool to know She's just great. Two years ago, she was working she at, the was store working at the store and doing these shitty shows that I was on. <laughs> like, but she's had to put in, it was a long road because, you know, so when she's, I guess, waiting tables slash in the bartending era, this was before I was there. She had to like, she had to kind of force their hand to be like, hey, put me into development because she would right. go and, you know, do the open mic and have to be like almost treated like everyone else. Right. Even though you're working there. Yeah. And then when I was there, she was, I was there when she auditioned for her paid regular Regular. spot and it was insane. She's so fun. Yeah. Because one, she's a favorite of anyone who goes to the store and has ever had her wait on you, even if you've never seen her go up. She's, just an amazing just, person. Yeah, being great at the service industry job too. Like she's probably a great waitress. Well, she's just a cool person. Yeah. She's just, she's so genuine without, like like for being service industry, you know, you kind of like put on a fake smile. Right. She is the realist. Right. Without like ever, you know, making you uncomfortable, just super real. So everyone, when she auditioned, came into the room and like there was, you couldn't get it. it I'd never seen it like that except for like when Chris Rock was there oh or like Dave or something. Because everyone was like. Because everyone wanted to see her audition. Yeah. And she had like such a killer set. Yes. 
And, and then she was paid regular. And it yeah. was like, yo, and now it's just, it's crazy to see how fast it happens. For, and then also, you know, it takes time. Yeah. It's like, it's not like she just woke up one well, day and was that good. Right. <laughs> it, it, it happened fast because she had been working on it for probably exactly. 10 years or more. And then like suddenly you get one break and you've got, you know, 10 years of experience behind that one break. And then someone else sees that break and they're like, I want a piece of that. And it's like, it, it does seem like there's that tipping point for a lot of comedians. And it happens like, doesn't have to be on this timeline, but it typically seems like it's seven to 12 years in, seven mm -hmm. being pretty early, 10 usually being the normal amount where you like really find your voice. Someone notices you like that's kind of when you're both noticed professionally for real for real for the first time but also ready to be noticed in that way mm -hmm. if that makes sense because like I am still considered a comedy baby I'm three years in ah. with one of those having been during COVID you know so oh, it's like yeah. and and I don't count COVID as a total loss because I was doing like a virtual show that was not stand-up it was like a roast show we banned stand-up from it <laughs> so I got to like practice writing jokes still during COVID but it's like I'm a comedy baby. And like, you know, like people who are three years in, it's like, yeah, I might have a, a decent solid set of however long, but like, I would be terrified if for some reason I was offered like a spot to come on a major television show right now and try to do stand up Cause it's yeah. like, yeah, I might be able to compose those good five minutes, but like, how can I back it up to headline this place after I get all this exposure. It's like, you need to be ready with your material and your ability when you get that break. Exactly. And I think Punky's a great example of someone who built up that material and that ability and then just at the perfect time, like got the hit. I think also when you're sort of in, when you're seeing resistance, like you feel like you're fighting against it to get what you want. Right. It does sort of propel you. In a way, you know, like it's like you feel like you're pushing against something for so long. So then when that something's gone, you're like a, you're skyrocketing. now. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I think, too, like the word resistance. Have you ever um, heard of the book uh, The War of Art? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's obviously a play on words. But um, shit, I forget what the uh, Jen's going to kill me with the artist's name. It's it's just something uh <laughs> Yeah, Charlie can look that up. Um, but uh, The War of Art is like such an interesting book because it talks about resistance. Mm -hmm. And it talks about resistance in the way of like your own resistance by like um, basically saying, you know, if there's a thing that you really should be doing or whatever and you know like, hey, I need to sit down and write for an hour today to get this new material done and you just are finding every excuse in the book to not do it, that's your own resistance. And so the book talks about like you're already going to face enough external resistance or people not giving you uh, the chances that you think you deserve. So why would you also put up your own resistance? And it puts it into really simple terms, I think. Pressfield? Stephen Pressfield. Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Just, oh, there goes the vitamin. Vitamins. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Understanding. Um, Do you feel like the pandemic has helped you as a comic? In that, because I, from my, because I, when I, from my perspective, the thing that was holding me back the most in stand-up before the pandemic was that I was so nervous. Mm. And then after a year of no stand-up, uh, there was this feeling of, well, who gives a shit if I bomb? They I might, might take not. this away from me forever. Yeah. No, I, 
I do feel that actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I still definitely get some nerves when I go on stage, but there was like a layer of that pulled away. Similar to what you explained. It's like, um, yeah, it was just kind of like, wow, I really was taking this like open mic so seriously mm-hmm. or even just like, I mean, not that I don't take any show that I'm booked on seriously, but like smaller local shows that I'm like typically would have been so nervous to do. It's like, girl, like these are good jokes. You can, you can get yeah. up on stage and do it and it's not a big deal. And actually breaking down that mental barrier makes you a better comedian. Mm-hmm. Like I always thought, cause in the acting world, I always thought people would, would say like, Oh, the nerves are good. It means you care, you mm-hmm. know? And so it was always like reinforced to me like, Oh, the nerves are good. It means I care, which I still agree with. But at a certain point, you're right. You need to just be like, what was this bullshit I'm putting in my head about how I need to be perfect or what are they going to think of me? Mm-hmm. Well, also, you're from an acting background, too. And uh, my biggest thing was always in acting, it's fine because you're up there and you're not yourself. Yeah. In stand-up, yeah. you have to be yourself. And you're like, oh, my God. It's not just what do they think of my jokes. It's like, do they not like me? Yeah. <laughs> it's personal. <laughs> That's what I think a lot of people don't understand, too. Mm-hmm. Like, did you even know you were hiding behind that until you tried stand-up? Like, did you know when you were acting that you kind of had that? No, it never occurred to me. Yeah. Because as soon as I started stand-up, that was the same exact thing. I was like, why is this so much scarier and harder? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was harder just because I have to write my own script, a.k.a. write my jokes. I never yeah. had to do that in acting. But then I was like, oh, no, it's because if they don't laugh, they don't like me. I'm not hiding behind this character. <laughs> yeah, it's like a character could be stupid or yeah. not, not funny. Yeah, if the character is playing pretend at not knowing jokes, like, mm-hmm. it's just the character's problem. <laughs> um <laughs> Wow, that's wild. Did you notice, like, did the pandemic also, like, the kind of shutdown and, like, forcing us to be slower, did you notice if that helped you in any way? Like, did you kind of have a realization of, like, oh, wow, I was going all the time? Yes. Yeah. I'm way more conscious of my health now. Yeah. Not so much, like, in that I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID, but more just uh, I need more sleep and stuff. Yeah. Uh, working out all the time. Right. Because, I mean, when pandemic, there's nothing else to do except right. think about your health. Like, oh, I I'm going to eat better. I'm not going to eat after seven. Right. Although that's really hard for stand-up. <laughs> for stand-up, I, um, I kind of gave up on the fasting portion or at least, like, knowing that my first meal might not be until two if I'm going to try mm-hmm. to fast because it's like you get home at midnight or whatever and you're hungry. Like, And also the energy, the the... the the all the vibes from being on stage, especially if you had a good set, you're like, oh, I'm hungry I'm now. Hungry. <laughs> well, yeah. Can you eat before you go on stage? I don't like to. Yeah, me neither. Like, no matter what the thing is, and so it's like, especially because stand up causes you to be up late too. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's like I'll wake up at ten or something, and then I'll not be hungry until t- between twelve and two. And then you go to the show and it's like, oh, well, I can't eat. It's the show time. And so it's like I've had one meal today and now I'm hungry because I had to just perform. And then you eat like the worst thing ever. Yeah. Like a burger <laughs> or two burgers. That's, oh my God. 
that and can you're like that's I haven't eaten anything else really today. Yeah, well, that can be blamed on COVID too, though. I'm like, there used to be so many healthy options open late in Austin. Oh, really? And now everyone shorted their hour, shortened their hours. So I'm like, I can't go get a fucking salad. Oh. <laughs> like, Didn't realize there was more late night food here than. Oh, yeah. I mean, the food trucks downtown are still mostly open and like Mm -hmm. Casino El Camino and like all those places are great, which if you haven't been to Casino El Camino for their burgers yet, they're so good. Downtown? It's downtown. It's next to the Velveeta Room. Okay. Oh, I have been there. It's like a, it's like a rock bar. Yeah. 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 They are good burgers. Their burgers are so good. Um, But I'm like, you know, like there is this diner that's an Austin local diner called Kirby Lane. I love Kirby Lane. Yeah. So yeah. like there's several locations. They used to be open 24 hours. So like oh. if I was like late night on my way home, I would get like a salad or something if I was trying to like stick to my health shit. And yeah. now I'm like, they close at 11. I can't get my salad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. It's We were actually here, me and the owner of this place, John, we were literally just here late one night. Like we had a meeting with a partner and then we just stayed and talked and smoked a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> and we like, it was like 1130 by the time we left here and he was just like, let's go get food. And the only places we could find were P Terry's and like Tyson's tacos. Oh geez. And I was like, Oh no, there's no healthy options. Never. <laughs> Guess we're getting tacos. I felt, I was just impressed that you guys had late night food in, in general. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, like I said, there's less options now, but I mean, 6th Street is so lit. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, those food trucks are going to decide to stay open, especially like uh, food truck owners, like usually they're the ones working the food truck. So it's not like they're having to pay someone to stay extra late. It's like, oh, I'll just work my food truck late and I'll make this money. Um, Yeah, Los Angeles was pretty good about that, though. Right? No. No? Los Angeles has the worst late night options. (laughs) I I don't understand how they can pretend like they're like, oh, we're an equivalent to New York. We can't even get decent pizza late night in Austin. Not in Austin, in LA. In LA. You you get some Thai food maybe late night, which is, I'm happy with. Oh yeah. And then definitely fast food and then diner food, but the diners aren't like Kirby Lane where it's like fresh. They'll make you vegan potatoes. No, 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 no. It's like, traditional diner food right like meatloaf and oh. just like bad soups and I have friends who love that kind of food I'm like right. oh, why would you eat this <laughs> it's like a midwest junk yeah and it well that does explain though why the diners are open late because like diner I realize like comedians in diners are such a thing oh yeah when I opened for Jen's tour like I opened for this woman Jen Fulweiler mm-hmm and I didn't realize why it was, like, such a trope for the comedians to go to the diner until I was out with her. And the only things open late in these Midwest cities were the diners. Yeah, diners. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you'd hope New York and L.A. would uh, have more. New York does, but. <laughs> Sandy, I lived in San Diego before that. San Diego, fantastic late night food options. Is it, what's it called, the Gaslight District? Or, yes. Okay, Gas Lamp? Gaslight. Gas Lamp. Lamp. Charlie's Googling again. I think it's gas lamp. Gas light. Light? It might be lamp. I don't know. I don't know. And not even downtown. Like all over San Diego, all the Mexican restaurants are pretty much open 24-7. And in San Diego, you can't get a you can't get bad Mexican. Right. So even if it's the worst Mexican place in San Diego, it's still like, oh, it's It's still good. good. I'm seeing something called the Gas Lamp Quarter. Gas Lamp Quarter. Okay. Okay. Well, because there's that Madhouse Comedy Club down there, right? That's where that is. And the ACC. 
Yeah. So I've been I've been to Madhouse and I've done that room before. And I just thought it was so funny being in that part of downtown San Diego. That's the only reason I thought of like, oh, that must be where the late night is because it's like Sixth Street puked over like six blocks. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> it's like multiple downtown Austins in a row. Did you go to San Diego in right before the pandemic or? I've been a couple times. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, oh shoot. I was in LA early March, 2020, like okay. literally like a week before things shut down. So probably San Diego was like, Maybe November 2019 was the last time I went down there. So when you were at the Madhouse, they were in the the. If they weren't at the top of the mall, no, they okay, were in, they were on they the first floor. Yeah, they were on the first floor of whatever building they were at, and yeah. it was like on the edge of that gas lamp quarter area, um, which was very interesting to me because I was like, this downtown is like. It's definitely cleaner. Like, I will say that. Sixth Street's dirty. Yeah, they keep it pretty clean. They keep it clean, but just as far as, like, party being puked all over the city. It's like, this is everywhere. This is so cool. It's also very, both cities have a very similar uh, vibe of people because it's a lot of young people who just move there. Yes. And that's how Austin, I mean, this reminds me a lot of San Diego, just no beach. No, yeah, that's, that's Bummer. kind of the vibe I got, too. And actually, like, in the comedy scene itself, San Diego felt very much... To me, at least when I went there and met people, I was like, oh, y'all are just like the Austin comedians. It's like mm -hmm. you're learning how to develop here before you decide what your next step is type yeah. thing, um, which is cool. Um, cool. So you're from Maryland originally? I am from Maryland. Maryland. Um, do you go home that often or like? I was home during the pandemic for several months. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved here, I went back for like a weekend for my sister's wedding. Yeah. But I have not been back since. So have you actually ever done stand-up on the East Coast? Yes. Or in Maryland? Yeah. Uh, I've done, like, a couple shows. Like, whenever I go home, I'll normally try to book a couple things there. Yeah. Um, and when the pandemic was happening, they really never shut down for comedy. I mean, like, I think it was how it was here. Like, people were going out with masks. Right. Uh, and we met, you know, uh, Leo Kanapka. I don't know who that is. He's a open mic guy here. We met him okay. at, when we were in Maryland. Oh, that's And we funny. told him we were thinking about, when he told us he was thinking about moving to Austin. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Mm. And then we, we went up to Maine to be with my uncle for a while. And that's when we decided to move to Austin. But when we got here, he was here too. I was like, oh, look. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Small world. That's funny. Do you find it um, different to perform up there versus like where you started? Or is it kind of just like, oh, we do stand up and that's it? I mean, there's different, there's kind of like, it's a spectrum of, I like old people for, right. for audiences. Yeah. And when I say old, I'm really just saying my age and older. Yeah. <laughs> I would lump myself in with that. Really? Well, this is, this is very similar to how San Diego's scene was for performance wise. Cause it's a lot of, um, middle-aged people come out, a lot of people in their twenties and thirties. And then, like, mostly – but most of the people coming to shows, I would say, are, like, somewhere between 40 and, like, 60. Yeah. Which I really like that age group. They yeah. They like to laugh. You know, they work hard. And they yeah. when they go out, they're having fun. Yeah. It's uh, – oh, IVs are getting close to being done. Yeah, yours looks pretty done. Go ahead and roll the ball all the way down on your thing just so we can close it. Okay. And we'll have the nurse come in and get it in a sec. Um. Yeah, that's kind of the age group of people who are like, you're not going to offend me. Mm -hmm. 
like, you know, they're not like encouraging you to be offensive, but they're like, if you're going to go there, like, feel free to go there. We'll laugh. Yeah. You know? Um, and they're kind of, they like dirty stuff. Yeah. It's so cute. I don't know why it's old people liking dirty, and like at my mom's age liking dirty stuff, it's so adorable to me. Right. It's like, oh, you still have sex. Cute. <laughs> or you want to. Or you, uh, you remember when you did. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think the weird, the most different place I've ever been to perform was not, East Coast is pretty similar, but when I would go up to like San Francisco, mm. And I guess Austin has a side of it that's similar to that yeah. where it's like we feel like we have to put on this extra pretense that people know that we're smart and that we're liberal. And we're joking. Like if we're going to laugh at a joke, it's because it's a joke. Like, or not even that. Like it's, oh, this joke was perfectly crafted and it mm. says something about the world. And I learned a little something. Right. Which is cool too because that's also like a skill I would like to have. Right. But it's not as fun as making like a room full of like 55-year-olds laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, I'm here to be goofy. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to be groundbreaking with every sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's definitely my next thing. It's right. like, okay, how do I say something that's never been said before? You know, right. thought. <laughs> how do I, yeah, that's always the thing that I think of is like, because a lot of my jokes are just silly or like wordplay or mm -hmm. just like, let's laugh at this thing. And I love that, but it's also like, how can you, yeah. Is I'll that text, supposed to happen? Yeah, it's fine. That's why I had you close it. Um, <laughs> Did it close it all the way? Let's see. I'll text Baldo. Can you send Shawnee Ivy's done? Um, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but like, I do really admire like, and it seems to be kind of like the progression of comedy like or comedians is like you watch these people who've been doing it for 10 15 20 30 years and it's like they're able to make actual points about the world mm -hmm. and still be funny about it and I think that's just such a, a skill that people don't realize how difficult it is Oh, so also, first of all, you have to care a little bit about the world. Right, yeah. And I not that I don't care, but it's like, oh, that's just not how I think about having fun. Right. <laughs> so it is interesting to be like, oh, you see other people doing it. Like, oh, how do I get there? How do I, one, care? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do I care enough to say something about this? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the next goal. We're all trying to be Dave, right? We're all going I'm glad for that, that you, goat status. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that, though, because... Do you feel like you are, like, a pretty chill person? Because you seem like you're pretty laid back. Like, you don't get super angry about things easily. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. I'm not super angry about a lot. And I just, hey, uh, Shawnee's going to unhook us. Um, um, but uh, I just, when I first started comedy, I felt similar to you in the sense that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be funny because I don't feel strongly about a lot of these issues that people want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me if I need to move this. Um, but I was like, wow, I was watching all these people like Bill Burr, especially, mm -hmm. or someone who really uses their emotions and their like anger slash personality to like make hilarious, but meaningful points and jokes. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I was like, wow, I'm not this angry. Like, I can't, <laughs> I was like, I don't have this strong of an opinion on this thing. And so I thought I wasn't going to be good at comedy. Like, um, but I don't think it has to be that way. Like, I think, 
I think you can make funny and meaningful points even if you don't actually like, even if you wouldn't be willing to get in an argument about that thing. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's like we put people in like these different levels because maybe they're saying something that's more important. Right. But there's also you have to think about how the how much does the audience actually care about this? Like there's so many huge comedians who don't say anything really political right. at all. Like Sebastian does like massive theaters all right. the time. He's just talking about his family. Right. But that stuff means stuff to people because they also have families. So I think it's, it's not, I don't want to say being smart, but I don't think being smart is as big of a deal. Right. Especially probably right now. Also, for people listening, Sam is very bravely getting her IV pulled out. Look at that. That was so easy. There you go. Uh, that was, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Right? <laughs> Shawnee's a pro. Look at that. She's closing the gloves right on the needle to keep it sanitary. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you, Shawnee. Thank you, MSW Lounge, for yes, the IV. thank you very much. Be nice and vitamized. So vitamized. <laughs> um... But yeah, I think especially today, it's so interesting because like a lot of people will. Thank you. Thanks, Shawnee. Um, people will want to like, it is divided, right? It's like people will want to hear actual opinions from comedians about things. But at the same time, they're like, why are you a comedian telling me your opinion on these things? I just came here to laugh. Exactly. So it's like, which one works for you, I guess, as a performer? I think you should be true to like whoever you are. Like when there's something like politically or, you know, whatever it is that you that really does get you passionate about it then you should be talking about it right yeah I guess just like not fabricating which again just gets back to being yourself which is kind of figuring out who you is is kind of a big part of comedy mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's like so many comics who just don't they, they do a character yeah which is a whole other like wow that's cool <laughs> were you ever tempted to do something like that especially like coming from an acting background in the beginning yes but I think the best characters are people who are just doing themselves at a, like an elevated status. Yeah. Because there's, uh, I mean, a lot of people do characters and that's pretty much themselves. But like some people, they can't be a different person off stage from their character. Like Larry the Cable Guy has to be Larry the Cable Guy all the time. Right. But if you see Anthony Jeselnik, you'll see him go up and he's doing a character. But right. when he goes off. He's super nice. He's like the nicest dude ever. Yeah. That's a, I always hear that about him. I love that. So I, I think yes and no. Like I think you'll, if I did end up doing a character, it would probably be just more of an elevated version or a, a part of myself that maybe I don't have out all the time. Right. Holtzman's a good example of that too. Yeah. yeah. Holtzman's a great example of that. <laughs> if Holtzman did his character off stage, he would have so many restraining orders. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely <laughs> he's like the sweetest old man ever he's so sweet. and like <laughs> but yeah he's uh, he's definitely strange <laughs> and also on my phone actually <laughs> oh, I want one of those on stickers I gotta get one yeah. <laughs> Charlie's <laughs> yeah he gave me another one I should have brought it give it to you <laughs> he was like I bought a thousand take more <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Everyone's getting those right now. I, I keep seeing people's faces. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, I know there's a Gary and Charlie one. I was mm. like, I kind of want to make one. I literally told, uh, told Brandon at Big Laugh that I wanted to get one of me with a microphone in one hand and an IV in the other arm. That's funny. And he was just like, no one's going to know that's vitamins. <laughs> He's like, everyone's going to think you're on like morphine or something. <laughs> I was like, doesn't that make it more fun though? <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It might just like perk people to be like, wait, who's this chick? I know. I was like, can I just write vitamins on the IV bag really small? <laughs> I don't know. Be on the nose about it. Oh, God. good Lord. Um, so in, uh, in your comedy career, like what are some of like the coolest shows you've ever gotten to do? Like, do you have, uh, maybe someone you perform with that really sticks out or a place? I've done a lot of cool shows. I, my first like really exciting show. Well, there's so many cool ones. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sign of a good experience. I've done a lot of fun shows. Uh, but I always like. I don't know why it sticks out the most, but I, I got to open a couple times for Bobby Lee. Oh, yeah. And he's like one of my favorite comedians. Oh, shit. Because I'm, I'm kind of partial to people who are more performance-based versus, you know, like jokey jokes. Just jokes. And uh, I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, oh. Well, cause he doesn't have any like specials out. Yeah. But also when you see him, you're like, how could you possibly really capture this moment? Because he is creating a moment. You so know, he like makes it a whole like almost theatrical experience. Yes, but he's so present. Like it's not theatrical in that like he's not doing a character. That's right. definitely him. Yeah. But it's so elevated and he's so he's so present. Like I, for a long time he would go up on stage and the first thing he'd do would he would touch some guy's face in the audience. <laughs> and I was like, I remember asking him when I got to open for him, I was like, how do you know who to touch? <laughs> <laughs> Because he always picked, like, the perfect person. Yeah. Like, you just know. You do this enough, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But um, I was so cool uh, opening for him because he really, like, and a lot of the older comics will do this. They'll hold, like, court. Right. You know? And they'll just let you ask so many questions. And I asked him so, so, so many questions that first time. And he said, the most important thing you can do as a young comic is always experiment. Because mm-hmm. as you get older, you're not going to want to do that. Yeah. That's really good advice. I love it when like um, a bigger comedian who's been around the block is willing to hold court like that too. Mm-hmm. Or they're just super nice in general. Um, that's really – how did you – did you connect with him because you were at the store? Or? Well, I was at the store, but actually my friend had got booked to go out with like a Bobby Lee. Wow. And then I didn't have a car at the time, but I borrowed someone's car so I could drive him. <laughs> So I just had a reason to be there because right. it was in Oxnard, which is about an hour from where we lived in L.A. And uh, I drove there and I can't remember how it happened, but Bobby knew I was a comic. And he's like, do you want to do five minutes? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I went up and I had a good set and I came off and he was like, you can do five minutes on the rest of the weekend. So I got to do the whole weekend. <laughs> and that was like my first weekend ever. And it, it was just like a guest spot. Yeah. But I, it still sticks out to me because he, he, every night he took us out to eat afterwards oh. and like just talked to us on. Like for comics who are – the store has a lot of real like comics, comics that right. work out of there. So you, if you're going out with a store person, they normally want to sit and talk to you and understand like what you're doing and right. how your journey is going. yeah. They're nostalgic. Yeah, and it's also like they've they've been there. So it's like yeah. if there's any way that I can like help you make a decision on something or like give my two cents on like how you're doing. Like not that they're trying to control your career in any way, but they've already been there. So it's like here's what I wish I had known at your age or something like that. I can see comics are nostalgic as much as they want to act. They don't care. Like they don't care about anything. Like, yeah, they, they have feelings. Yeah. They have a lot of feelings. Maybe so more so. <laughs> Yeah. 
that's that's really cool and just like what a coincidence that you were able to do that you know well you know that's how a lot of people get on shows yeah you just happen to be in the room dude if there was like a piece of advice that is underrated it's that because jason rouse also told me that like when we were hanging out at vulcan i was like talking about how I'd gotten to do Seeker's show a couple times. And that was like a really cool opportunity for me. It's like one of the shows Ron White dropped in. And I was like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, I opened a show that Ron White dropped in on. This is awesome, you know? And like, we're talking about it. And I was talking with him about how some people were asking me how to get on these shows. And I was like, I don't even know how I got on. I was just at Vulcan Mm -hmm. and someone asked me. And Jason goes, that's exactly it though. Like you were there. And that's kind of it. It's like a very, it's a lot less like, I think a lot of comedians think that they're being targeted by not being booked on stuff when in reality you're no, no, it's just that it's not that someone hates you and that's why they didn't book you. It's like they haven't seen you in a while. So you're not top of their mind. So mm-hmm. whoever they have seen lately is who they're going to book. The the best ability is availability. Oh, that's what people say. I, there's someone who said it first. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard it too so many mine. times to remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good one, though. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you were present. You know, people know you. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. If you're not, if people aren't seeing you all the time, they're not thinking about booking you because there's always a new comic. Right. Well, that's a thing that is hard to explain sometimes. Like, because sometimes, like, my boyfriend, I'll be talking with him and be like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go to Secret Show tonight or I think I'm going to go hang out at Creek, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have to remind him that, like, yes, I'm going and having fun and hanging out with my friends and it's, like, at a comedy club, so it's a blast. But, like... This is also like me getting out and like, cause I book a show too. So it's like me getting out and like seeing all the people and possibly meeting some new people and finding out who's doing what so I can book them. And it's like, and if I hang out with them, they're going to remember me more if they want to book me. And it's not even like, that's the reason why I'm going out, but it is an extra element of like, this is just how the industry works. If someone doesn't see you for three weeks, they're going to assume you moved or, or you're out of town or you're dying, you know? They gave up comedy. Yeah, they quit. Oh, so many times I've been like, I've moved somewhere and then come back and be like, oh, I just thought you quit comedy. I thought you quit. It's like, what? <laughs> I'm, and I'm, but I'm not super good at social media. So right. I feel like <laughs> it's easy to think that. I like post once every like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's part of it. But it's like, I don't know. It is just such a thing that like, I don't know if there's any other industry that's like, oh, I just thought you quit. Like so many people quit. (laughs) So many people quit. But that's also why it's like encouraging to keep going because you're like, well, so many people quit. If I just keep going, then I'll be one of the few that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like if you're self-aware at all Mm -hmm. and you just keep going and keep trying, there's no way you're going to like – and, and again, self-awareness is key. <laughs> you got to fix your jokes if they're not good. Yeah. But it's like, if you just keep going, like, there's no way. <laughs> it can't stop you from getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, there is one thing I always ask guests at the end of the show. Um, it's kind of vague, but I would love to know, like, what you're excited about. And it could be anything. Comedy, life, stuff coming up. Oh, what I'm excited about. Comedy life. Uh, dang, I wish you told me this yesterday. Shit, I should have given her this <laughs> should have said that with the IV. The like, IVs. We're doing IVs. I'm also going to ask you what, what you're you excited, excited about. about. I <laughs> hope you have excitement in your life. <laughs> you got uh, joy. You smile I, a lot. I smile a lot. Uh, I'm excited about a lot of things. Gosh. Uh <laughs> 
but what am I excited about? Uh, I'm excited about the new year because my lease is up here in Austin uh, in January and I don't know what we're going to do next. Wow. Uh, and a lot of that is depending on what happens with Rogan's Club. Yeah. Uh, what happens, I mean, Derek's on the tour with Andrew Schultz right now. So mm-hmm. what happens with that? So I don't know what we're going to do next year. I think we're going to like stay here in Home some base. capacity. Yeah. But I am excited of like, oh, maybe I'll be on the road more in yeah. the new year. And I'm also excited about the new club opening. Right. I'm actually really stoked about that. Yeah. I've been waiting around, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Wait, <laughs> has he announced a date yet, though? Because I still no, haven't I heard No, I still anything. haven't heard a okay. date. I've heard vague timelines. I've heard vague timelines a few times, though. Like, I know. I, I try not to get too excited. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he had the first location, I knew, like, what the goal timeline was. And yeah. then he gave up that location. So I was like, well, shit, now I don't know anything anymore. Um, but that's really cool. And, uh, is Derek going to be, are you going to be at the, the Schultz shows this weekend? Like, are you going to be hanging out at all? Or? I'm going to try to, I don't mm-hmm. know. Cause you know, he's filming his, his special. special. I'm going to be at the Sunday show. That's why I was You're going asking. to see it. I'm going to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard it's like, that's a whole experience too. And you said Bobby Lee is like an experience. I yeah. hear Schultz just like makes a football stadium out of his audience. Oh, too. Like, it's insane. Cause he's doing this like sort of over the top tour like all the they they have like lights and like t-shirt cannons I yeah t-shirt cannons (laughs) all this fan flair and then on top of that he's like an insane comic yeah because he does he's very um he's special in that he's doing both he's incredibly like an awesome performer like being in the room with him right that can never be replaced you can't really replicate that right but what he's saying is so articulate and so important you can also capture, capture that, that, and that still translates. Yeah. So he's he's really special. That that's going to be cool. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to watch. I know. I was hoping you'd be able to uh, get in. At I don't some point know. To see it. Uh, fingers crossed. But yeah. I don't want to. I don't. I was not want to like push anything because like I know like it's his special. So yeah. I mean, I don't want to be in the after. way if I. Yeah. <laughs> this will be released after yeah. this weekend. So <laughs> I'm hoping to. Um. Yeah. Cool. Well, let me know if you're there for sure because okay. I would love to. Just say hi. I mean, I'm not trying to get in the green room. I just would love to say hi afterwards or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm super excited. And I guess Derek is probably working on those shows too. Oh, he's so pumped. They're in San Diego today. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm extra excited. I forgot that he just started touring with Andrew. So when he said that, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's super dope. Yeah. He comes home and he's like trying to tell me the jokes. I was like, stop. I don't want to hear, <laughs> hear your it. sorry version of his job. <laughs> I want to hear the real thing, man. <laughs> Get me into a show, babe. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap it okay. up. I really appreciate you coming in and doing the show. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Where can people find you? Like podcasts, social media, uh, website? You can find me at Best Sam Lopez on Instagram. And do I have any other things? I think also on Twitter, I don't tweet, but if you want to see things I tweeted like years ago, go ahead. Uh, and then I am on Spoil the Beans podcast. Spoil the Beans podcast. Yeah. That was, uh, you guys talking about movies, right? Yeah. Well, Derek literally performs the movie. Like <laughs> word for word. Like you should watch an episode. It's, I re- should. it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, like he, he watches it and then he tells someone who hasn't seen the movie the entirety of the movie. <laughs> that's amazing which is it's super fun um 
and I would go through and just pick a movie that you like okay. for the first time. Don't like pick one you've never seen before. Right. Because it's also, it's it's fun to watch the ones that you like and you're right. like, oh my gosh, she's hitting this part. I love this part of the movie. <laughs> and he does the, the accents check and that stuff. Out. That's yeah, hilarious. Cool. Well, again, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank guys. you. Thanks for the vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> guys, uh, follow Sam on Instagram at Best Sam Lopez. This has been Detox with Allison. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.